Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for June 20th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you had an absolutely delightful, elongated weekend. Why is it elongated? Well, several things. One, it's Father's Day. Or yesterday was Father's Day. Thank heavens for that. Hopefully you you supported God, family, and country and protected life, liberty, and property and all that, right? But now it's an extended holiday weekend because today is what? What do they call this thing? Juneteenth Day? Ah, let's get into that next hour with Dr. Scott Bradley, shall we? Anyway, I guess happy Juneteenth Day. Is that what we say? Oh, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, we're running off the rails and jettisoning all things in America that matter. And we're embracing all things, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that in my opinion are very controversial at the least. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you're all doing just fine. A quick recap of Saturday's shows in order before Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, jumps into the mix. We had our guest on, Chris Carlson, who says, Without God, we can never win. With God, we can never lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the fight. Amen to that. We talked about wind and solar is our energy future and always will be. Not. Well, that's true. I shouldn't say not because it is in our future uh, and always will be in the sense that it's not right now. It's always in the future. It's always just around the corner. Solar panels and wind, whatever. And it's always supposed to be uh, going to come to fruition, but it's always held up because of the reality of it's not reliable. Uh, anyway, there you have it. It's always in the future. I say not because it's always talked about, but never delivered in an honest, transparent way. It's always government subsidized and everything else. We talked about Biden's war on cheap energy, an incredible article written by Joel Skousen in World Affairs, in worldaffairsbrief.com. And we talked about how Biden invoked the Defense Production Act, ladies and gentlemen, targeting the country's solar production capacity and fuel and fuel cell production along with other forms of green energy folks this is just disaster the united states is simply not infrastructure self-reliant what makes us most vulnerable to a nuclear emp strike is that almost all of our long distance transformers that you know pedal electricity along the grid well it's all made in china we don't have uh, the capacity in the United States. So if something were to happen in a mass way, would be stuck and have no ability to recover. Electric is not the answer. Hydrogen is not the answer. Ethanol is not the answer. Folks, why? Why are refineries shutting down when we have nothing to replace it? Chris Carlson highlighted this reality. Don't quit your job until you have another better one. Why are we jettisoning our energy production capacity 
when we don't have a better one. It's insanity. Representative Brian Mast, he questions U.S. Chief and Climate Officer Jake Levine over the pipeline uh, issue during a hearing, uh, a subcommittee hearing. And basically he's talking about this same thing. Why are we jettisoning our capacity to produce electricity or power when we don't have any reliable, stable ways? It doesn't make any sense. What about nuclear power? That's the only real long-term future. Noticeably absent in Biden's feigned concern over energy prices and supplies is this nuclear discussion. Okay, they have marvelous, what they're called, new and efficient micro-nuclear power plants, folks. They're tiny. They're being developed. Okay, this is our renewable energy source and solution. Okay, even the Department of Energy talks about it and believes it's the solution. But Biden ignores this. All right, we need to talk about the stability and safety of civilization. Right? But that's not what the globalists want. They want to destroy this. But even the energy department admits the reality here. And you say, Sam, nuclear is not safe. That's crazy. They get Chernobyl and all these. You know what? These new micro power plants are tiny. They're safe. They're newer technology. In fact, they got one of them operating at the University of Utah. And you can literally watch it run. Okay, there are ways to accomplish this, safer ways. Is it a risk? Anything you run is a risk. Continuing with the coal power plants is a risk. Everything we do is a risk. You got to look at the risk reward and say, what's the most viable option? And it's not rely on unreliable technologies like wind. When it stops blowing the wind, what then what? Sun, what about at night? What about when it's cloudy? Okay, folks, we have got to think through this in a meaningful way. That was hour one. Hour two, we talked to Tom Jones and we talked to Ryan Murtha. And Tom Jones is the man who's running 76 marathons. In 76 days, unitedwepledge.org is the website. The run for freedom is on. We also talked about talked to Ryan Murtha. He's the filmmaker with Tom Jones. Yeah, come hear Tom Jones's story. Uh, Friday, that's this Friday at Liberty Hall. It'll be 5 p.m. June 24th this Friday. It's going to be incredible. Dennis Levitt will be there. Sharing the pledge of uniting liberty in the minds and hearts of the young. Also, Sam Bushman will be there. Ladies and gentlemen, this serious business. We also talked about this incredible Gallup poll. U.S. belief in God hits a new low. It's dropped by 6% in the last five years alone. Uh, church attendance has been declining even faster than Americans' belief in God is. Gallup says in its latest poll that a new low of 81% of Americans say they believed in God. That's down from 87%, listen, in 2017. But in the 1950s and 1960s, it was 98%, ladies and gentlemen. Belief in God among women fell from 90% to 83%, according to Gallup. For men, 83% down to 80 now. Rand Paul confronts on vaccinations and royalties for the FDA and Fauci and others, WND.com. We covered so much stuff on your radio on Saturday, ladies and gentlemen. It is shocking. All right, without further ado, our um, well-known Monday co-host, Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org. 
is back from his travels. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Well, thank you for having me back, Sam. It's good to be here. And a delightful, happy Father's Day extended weekend to you and your family. Thank you. To you, too. It was a good weekend. Uh, Very nice. Very nice. Thank you. All right. Before we continue, do you want to just uh, give a big shout-out for Father's Day? Yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, You know, Father's Day uh, comes and goes each year. It's, uh, for me, a time uh, for reflection, as it probably is for a lot of fathers. And uh, and this year, I just wanted to call out a couple couple things that uh, one one is JP Sears uh, JP is a comedian uh, a lot of people might know him he's done some really great sketches about the hypocrisy of our government and the way it handled COVID and the way it tried to impose vaccines on people I mean, he does he does some fun sketches but yeah hold on before you than, get to the butt before you get to the butt yeah. not only does he do it in a fun way it's a conservative way and a moral way though there's nothing immoral or, or a crass about what he does at all either Right. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. Uh, but he does more than just entertain, uh, ladies and gentlemen. He writes uh, pissy emails, too. And yesterday he sent me the following sentiment. Father's Day, I'm quoting him now, Father's Day is not only a time to celebrate role, celebrate role models, the dads and father figures, but it's also a reminder of the responsibility we have to our children. I believe that it's our duty as fathers to set the tone of our culture, lead by example, and stand up for our family, community, and country. We are tasked with instilling the importance of freedom and integrity in our children. The courage we exhibit through our words and our actions during difficult times provides an example for our children. Be the dad who is unapologetic in his convictions, who fights for freedom and teaches critical thinking. So for all the dads out there, I'm still quoting JP here, he says, enjoy and celebrate Father's Day, but take a moment to think about how you can encourage your children to become the next generation of resilient, freedom-loving warriors. End of quote. Sam, I just love that sentiment. I've never heard it put that way, but I love the uh, the essence of what he's trying to tell us, Sam. Yeah, so when we talk about I believe it's the duty to set the tone for our culture, I really think that's where dad's leadership comes in. I believe mothers and fathers. I think it's a time for mothers to honor fathers and fatherhood and their husbands who made the mothers. Uh, same thing with, with Mother's Day, too. We celebrate these traditional of fundamental family roles in society. And it's sad, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a date today called Juneteenth. It's not even the teen, it's the 20th, by the way. So it's kind of weird. Uh, but, you know, Joe Biden made this a, quote, national holiday or whatever you want to call it. Um, why do we ignore Father's Day? It's eclipsed by this holiday. But not to those of us who are conservative and who celebrate the traditional family. Let's dig into the details about the value and importance of the traditional family. And let's do it on your radio in seconds with our buddy Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org.
We at Freedom Factor have a passion for our shared American heritage and want to help restore some of that American pride by emphasizing the documents that made us Americans. Our goal is to put pocket constitutions into the hands of every American and in every school. This effort requires your help. Order your pocket constitutions and browse our website at freedomfactor.org to learn how you can help spread the message of freedom. Read it, know it, share it. Freedomfactor.org. Have you ever had great honey? No, I mean really good, all-natural, raw honey? Well, now you can, thanks to localhoneyman.com. We can ship out our locally made honey all across the U.S. So don't worry, you won't miss out. Plus, Local Honey Man has so many different flavors, like Utah Wildflower, High Desert Delight, Happy Valley, and Blackberry, just to name a few. So purchase your delicious raw honey today at localhoneyman.com. In message one, we said that Satan, the father of lies, John 8:44, gave the left evil, spiritual power, the more they use the lies. The political left today is the beast. Now the Bible confirms that the dragon gave him, the beast, his power. Revelation 13, 2. The extra evil spiritual power that comes from the beast by their lying is what accounts for the string of the leftist criminals in the government that have never yet been prosecuted. It also explains why American capitalists support communism in the 21st century. Note 1. That behavior of capitalists was predicted by Vladimir Lenin, a cell of the beast. Note 2. Henry Ford was a capitalist, and he would have never gone communist. The difference between Ford and the present-day, end-time capitalists is that Ford was born and educated in the Kingdom of Christ, 19th century America, the New Jerusalem, Revelation 21. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org, ronpaulinstitute.org. And we're talking about a tribute to fathers with an incredible column um, really written by J.P. Sears. Highlighting that Father's Day is not only a time to celebrate role models, dads, and but it's a time for us to reflect on our duty to our children, to stand up for the traditional family, fathers and mothers, really men and women coming together and becoming fathers and mothers, and their duty to each other and to their children. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints wrote a document back in 1995. What's that, 27 years ago, ladies and gentlemen? And they wrote about the nature of God and his children and the roles of mothers and fathers. Uh, it puts these responsibilities as succinctly as any written document that I know, Lowell. Sure enough, uh, Sam, they write this, quote, By divine design, fathers are to preside over their families in love and righteousness and are responsible to provide the necessities of life and protection for their families. Mothers are primarily responsible for the nurture of their children. In these sacred responsibilities, fathers and mothers are obligated to help one another as equal partners. Disability, death, or other circumstances may necessitate individual adaptation. Extended families should lend support when needed." End of quote. But I really like the 
emphasis on the roles that fathers and mothers play in their families. The fathers, again, repeating myself, fathers are to preside over their families in love and righteousness, responsible to provide the necessities of life and protection for their families. Mothers are primarily responsible for the nurture of their children, and then they, they put these together and they say in these sacred, not just responsibilities, but in these sacred responsibilities. I mean, how many times have you thought that maybe providing for your family was a sacred responsibility? I don't think many of us, you know, ever dreamed that or thought that before this, you know, uh, this proclamation was made. How many, how many mothers out there who nurture their children, who love them and, and raise them up, who, who feed them, who change their diapers uh, and, and these important things, view this as a sacred responsibility yeah yeah it's it's a responsibility it's a duty but how many believe truly believe it's a sacred responsibility and in these roles of course fathers and mothers are 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 obligated to help one another as equal partners so sam i i believe this statement is is uh is a sobering and a beautiful statement of the roles that mothers and fathers have and worth you know considering or reconsidering here on on Father's Day, Sam. Amen. You know, we talk about God, family, and country on this radio program all the time. I mean, these six words, God, family, country, life, liberty, property, are used probably more than any other words on the broadcast. And the reason they are is because they define who we are. They define what we stand for. They they define what's important. They define our purpose. And I think about that when I read the start of the quote from the proclamation on the family to the world. Uh, created by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And it starts out and says this, by divine design, by divine design. Then they talk about fathers and mothers and the role of each and the role of children and the role of parents. and, and Okay, but by divine design, that sets the tone for the God-ordained traditional family, ladies and gentlemen, which, you know what, when we talk about these shootings, when we talk about all the problems that we face in the world today, especially in the United States and all the culture wars and troubles and everything else, if we'd just bring back dad. I'm not saying every single problem would go away, Lowell, but if we brought back traditional parents, if we brought back the fundamental unit of society, the family, the God-ordained family, by divine design, think how packed these sentences are with truths, with order, with God-ordained facts and truism, if you will. This is the key to the solution. These are the solutions to the problems that we face. I don't mean to, to beat this to death, but I do really want to focus on, look, we can go out looking everywhere in the world, high, low, oceans, stars, everywhere. When it comes back by divine design, this is how God set up his fundamental unit of society. Incredible prose uh, to help us understand who we are, what our responsibilities are where we can turn for comfort and strength and solutions, Lowell. You're right. The The proclamation uh, goes on to say this, which is just harmonizes very well with what you just said, Sam. Um, the family is ordained of God. Marriage between man and woman is essential to his eternal plan. Children are entitled to birth within the bonds of matrimony, and to be reared by a father and a mother who honor marital vows with complete fidelity, right? And then it talks about how happiness in family life is is to be achieved. And 
you know, the, the children who grow up with uh, both a mother and a father, and, and I realize that's not always possible because of death and disability and so forth, but those children who grow up with both a, a father and a mother are generally better and more socially adapted and, and uh, better able to uh, accomplish the, you know, the, the things of life than those who are not. I mean, obviously there's some wonderful, wonderful people who grew up with a single mom or who grew up with a single dad, but uh, it's just, it just easier. I mean, I look at the, 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 it's a rough life to be a single mom. And because you have to do so much, but just think of, of what a great blessing it is to have both a mother and a father, where they can share that responsibility for raising children. And so I think that's the ideal. And you know, and and of course we have to adapt to, to various other situations in life. But um, that that's the ideal that will most likely bring the greatest happiness, I think, to the most number of people. Sam. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand these principles. And uh, all I can say is when we when we contemplate these principles and really understand by divine design, that really highlights in my mind uh, who we are. All right? That's why when we celebrate Father's Day, it's not only a time to celebrate role models, the dads and their father figures, but it's a reminder of these fundamental truths that cannot be ignored, and the world can mock us, the world can ridicule, but think how packed this is with who we are, where we came from, why we're here, what we're doing on this earth, where we're going, all these fundamental truisms that really have had philosophers you know, discussing for centuries and, and on and on and on and on, and understanding where to turn for the solutions. Husbands and wives turning to one another, loving their children, children supporting and loving their parents, and Look, if families were strong in America, the society would be strong. And when we have all these societal woes and turmoil and everything else, we're looking everywhere but the traditional family for solutions. And we're going to wind up empty-handed, Lowell. You know, Hollywood has done, um, done a lot of damage to the institution of the family by the way they portray um, males as weak-minded buffoons, basically. Um, and, and in doing so, they are undermining the institution of the family. They're contributing to the social ills that have befallen us uh, in this country because they, uh, they don't portray the divine design of fathers and mothers in the family. They make fun of the family, for instance. They, they, uh, they poke uh, fun at the institution of marriage and you know, rare, rare, rarely do you do you have a really good, uplifting, you know, a movie that uh, comes along and uh, upholds this. You know, like the Waltons of yesteryear. I I, I love to to watch the movie The Waltons because there you had, you know, mom and the dad and a big family and and uh, various uh, troubles and problems and challenges to overcome. They did so as a family, relying on their, their father and their mother and 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 uh, their grandfather and grandmother. Uh, so, so that was, you know, that was an uplifting movie, but so many of the movies made nowadays are not that way. And it, it's sad that we've lost that, that, that much of Hollywood seems to have lost the, uh, the belief, the hope and the, uh, uh, you know, in, in the modern family. So I guess 
guess I'm rambling at this point, but uh, uh, I, I really think that, uh, like you say, Sam, we need to return to these uh, this divine design. That's where the answers are, are found, and insofar as possible, raise our children with both a father and a mother in their lives, and, and in that way, honor uh, Father's Day today. Sam? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to finish on this phrase. The family is ordained of God. Marriage between man and woman is essential to God's eternal plan. All right, ladies and gentlemen, quick pause. More in seconds with Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org. God bless America, ladies and gentlemen. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Senators in both parties briefed recently by senior Biden administration officials on negotiations with Iran say they doubt Tehran will agree to any new deal to limit its development of nuclear weapons. A 15-year-old boy was reportedly killed at a Juneteenth celebration in Washington, D.C. overnight, while a police officer and two other adults were injured. D.C. Police Chief Robert Conti says a fight caused the event to be shut down at the Mochella Music Festival, and that's when it turned into chaos. So once the officers shut the event down, there were several uh, MPD resources as well as, as well as public safety resources from D.C. Fire and EMS that were also on the scene trying to clear out the area because there were several people who were injured as a result of their leg or ankles uh, being trampled as they tried to run uh, from the area. USA Radio News. Attention weekend gardeners, don't let insect pests destroy your hard work. Fight back with Maggie's Farm, created by pest control professionals. Maggie's Farm plant and mineral-based products provide amazingly effective insect control, like our 3-in-1 garden spray for organic gardening. Deadly on insects, but safe to use around children and pets. Or for really hard-to-kill bugs, try our new beetle and box elder bug killer. Maggie's Farm, lethal to bugs, easy on the planet. Look for Maggie's Farm at Walmart, Menards, or at maggiesfarmproducts.com. Here at Total Wine and More, you'll love what you find, especially our totally low prices. I'm firing up the grill for burgers and want to impress the neighbors. This bourbon has a smoky flavor that'll go great with your grill. Nice! Wow! And look at that price. Well done. I prefer medium or air. <laughs> your neighbors will love it. Love what you find. Only at Total Wine and More. Pickup and delivery available at TotalWine.com. Drink responsibly, B21. Stanley Cup Finals over the weekend. Colorado got goal happy against Tampa Bay, 7-0. Game 3 is tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern. All this talk from lawmakers about gun control, and many are asking, where's the bill? As the nation continues to grieve following a string of mass shootings, including at a Texas elementary school, a group of senators have announced a bipartisan framework agreement for gun safety. The proposal is slated to emphasize enhanced mental health services, along with expanding background checks for those under the age of 21. Utah Republican Senator Mike Lee says he has not yet seen any of the text of the proposed bill. I kept asking to see text, and it became apparent they didn't have a bill. In fact, they don't have a deal at all. What they had was agreement on a, a series of very broad promises. That audio courtesy of Fox News Sunday from the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. 
USA Radio News. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Back with you live, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, with me on your radio. Lowell was on vacation, but man, he sure had a wonderful time. And, you know, a lot of people across the country have the opportunity to learn about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, nicknamed the Mormons. And they've got all kinds of historical sites all across the country. You know, Joseph Smith Jr. uh, was the first prophet of the restored Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, in these latter days. And I bring that up because he started in New York uh, and he eventually came all the way across the country to Nauvoo, Illinois uh, and Missouri uh, and then was murdered. Well, anyway, the church leadership continued and the church eventually fled the United States and eventually came into the territory. Uh, They called it Deseret at the time. Now it's called Utah and has become a state. So really the rich history... uh, of the saints, if you will, crossing the United States, one of the greatest migrations in the world's history. Uh, Anyway, Lowell had an opportunity to enjoy a lot of this church history and learn about it firsthand on site with some of the sites and places. And wow, Lowell, what an opportunity, sir. It was stupendous, Sam. Uh, Truly uh, exceeded my expectations. You know, I I thought that... uh, it would be great, and it and, and it just uh, was like ten times what I expected. Uh, um, not only did our tour guide explain the history and the context for so many of the events that happened, but um, they but we got out to we, we got to you know tour the the various farmhouses and walk walk around the farms and and look at the machinery and the tools and, you know, everything that was that they used back in the day, back in the 1820s and 30s and 40s. And that was a real treat for me because I grew up on a 400-acre ranch in, in Idaho up in the mountains. And, uh, of course, I learned to work with a shovel and an axe and, um, uh, you know, building fence and, uh, you know, riding horses and punching cows and, you know, all kinds of, of things like that. And, and it's just, it's just fascinating to go back a, in a century and a half, <laughs> it's almost, almost two centuries now to find out how they did stuff. And so for me, this was uh, both a spiritually enlightening as well as a, a historically, you know, intellectually enlightening trip. Uh, for example, uh, we, after flying into Buffalo, New York, uh, we, like you said, we went to Palmyra. Now, the, the Erie Canal goes through Palmyra, and uh, we saw a lock there on the Erie Canal. We saw a boat leave the dock going upstream. <clears throat> now, about this canal, it reduced the cargo costs from $100 a ton all the way down to about $8 a ton. Now, think about that. You reduce the cost. You know, from 100 bucks to eight bucks—that's—that's that's huge. You know, 100 bucks a ton down to eight bucks a ton, and it reduced the delivery time down from three weeks to only one week. Just just to have that canal in operation. And by the way, the original canal was only about four feet deep and 40 feet wide. It's much bigger now, of course, but but to think that they floated 
tons and tons of goods up and down that canal with uh, only, only four feet of water is incredible. I mean, the engineering that went into that canal, I mean, how do they figure out, you know, what's, what's up and what's down? You know, am I a foot higher than you way down there, or am I four feet higher than you way down there? <laughs> I mean, how did they figure that stuff out? It's, it, uh, that's part of the mystery. Yeah, we, we think that they were somehow backwards just because they lived out in the country and had a different lifestyle than us. We think that they were backwards and clueless, but, man, they were brilliant. <laughs> that's for sure. We visited the, the, we visited the E.B. Grandin print shop there in Palmyra, New York, where the first 5,000 copies of the Book of Mormon were printed and bound in about 1830. Uh, it went on sale initially. Uh, I had no idea about this, but it cost a buck 75 initially, which uh, uh, was about two days' wages at that time. So you work for two solid days, you get about a buck 75. You could go buy a Book of Mormon when it first went on sale. They didn't sell very fast. They later dropped the price to a buck twenty-five, making it slightly easier. But when you think about that, Sam, um, you know how many of us? I mean, add up how much money you make in two days, right? And so, say you work—I don't know—I don't say minimum wage fifteen bucks an hour. You work eight work eight hours. Um, you know that's uh, that's going to be uh, thirty. Uh, 120 bucks. bucks. Yeah, and then you double that to get two days. That's that's a hundred and eighty dollar book, Sam. <laughs> yeah, two hundred and forty bucks. If I work eight hours at fifteen bucks an hour, it's one hundred and twenty bucks a day. Two hundred and forty bucks in two days. Can you can you imagine spending that much money on a book, Sam? Even today, if I mean a book that you don't know anything about, <laughs> uh, it's just incredible. But um, that, that that's what happened. That's what the, the sell price was with buck twenty-five eventually uh, for the for the Book of Mormon. Now, observing the book printing and binding process was just amazing. There in the E.B. Grand print shop in Palmyra, they have replicas of all the and and some of it restored, some of it authentic, some of it restored of uh, the equipment they they used to produce a book in that day. The fool's cap paper came from a nearby paper mill. And fool's cap, by the way, I, I learned is, is not the type of paper, but it's simply the dimension of a paper. And it, simply, it had the image of a, of a fool's cap on it, so they called it fool's cap paper. I thought that was interesting. The, the, they had to set the type, which, as you know, it, it had to be upside down and backwards, basically. In, in other words, you have to spell like the... the the word the, T-A-T, right? Well, they have, it has to go backwards um, in, um, in, you know, from right to left and so left to right. And it, it's, just a, it's just tedious, you know, to, to spell you know, a full page of a book, for example, using letters and to, to set that in backwards. <laughs> it's <just> very interesting. <laughs> they get that wedged into place. And they have uh, 16 of these blocks where the type is set in, in 16 pages, right? So 16 pages at a time. And uh, they wedge that into place. They ink it. And we didn't even get into to where they got their ink from and all the process to, to produce ink. That would have been interesting. They press that ink into paper. And then they pull the paper out. They hang it up to dry. 
and then they fold it into a, what they call a signature of 16 pages, right? So these 16 plates becomes the 16 pages of a book, um, and and uh, and they fold it. They fold it into a signature. They slice it. They poke tiny holes into it with a saw, and then they tie the thing with the tiny, tiny cord. They they glue the, the backside of it, uh, bind it in leather. Actually, to, to finish the signature, they slice off the part of the the, the the signature that's still together, meaning that that you know kept that sixteen those sixteen pages all together is is a single piece of paper. But then when they slice it, it magically falls into 16 individual pieces of paper that's bound on one side. I mean, it's amazing what they did and who thought that up and, and how they were able to do that. They Finally, they glue, they bind it in all of the signatures together uh, that comprise the book. They bind that in leather, and then they emboss on the spine of the book with gold leaf the name of the book. <laughs> incredible and they have to do this like this the 16 original pages of any book that they do they do all of the the 5,000 uh, pages of that first of you know, the first 16 they do that 5,000 pay times right and then they go they have to reset the type for the next 16 pages <laughs> and do that all over again I mean it's an amazing process most books of the day were not hardbound because that increased the time and, and the cost of production. But just truly amazing to see that print shop. There's three stories to the E.B. Grandin print shop, and um, it's just it's just fun to see uh, how they how they bind a book. Pretty amazing. No um, doubt about Travis, it. The farming is incredible as well. There, Lowell. I'll say, you know, the rich black fertile soil in that part of the country is amazing. Here, I grew up in the West where we depended on rain and con con irrigation canals and irrigation pipe. I did not see a single ditch or irrigation pipe the whole week, Sam. Why? Because rain waters their crops, apparently. <laughs> and it made me think. <laughs> I mean, they have so much rain there, it's incredible. <clears throat> and, and it made me think, uh, what, what in the world did the Utah pioneers think when they got to Utah and then thought back to the fertile soil of New York, Pennsylvania, and Ohio and compared with the deserts of Utah. They probably thought they jumped from the frying pan into the fire, Sam, because then they had to work really hard out here out west to get water to their crops <laughs> in order for them to grow. They didn't have that worry back east in Pennsylvania. I tell you what, it's pretty fascinating stuff, Sam. <clears throat> Liberty Roundtable live in seconds. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans, who are they? Democrats, who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, 
But I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family, we the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. Calling all patriots. Come meet a modern-day hero, Tom Jones, on day 68 of his 76 marathons in 76 days on behalf of the American Village West. We'll be at the Liberty Hall in Far West, Utah, on Friday evening, June 24th at 5 p.m. There will be free food and drinks. Who is Tom Jones? Loving Liberty's Sam Bushman interviewed him on day one in Alabama just moments before he began his first marathon. Get to know Tom at unitedwepledge.org. Lowell Nelson is telling us about his visit to the East on family vacation, and now the topic turns sweet, Lowell. <laughs> I did not realize this, how, this, but they have sugar maple trees in New York and Pennsylvania and even in Ohio. See, I thought all the sugar maples were up in Vermont, New Hampshire, but they have them right there in, in Ohio and Pennsylvania. The Smith family tapped syrup from a and, uh, about 1,200 to 1,500 sugar maple trees on their farm, getting nearly a pound from each tree. They used much of that themselves, sold the excess to neighbors. Uh, just amazing uh, sugar maple, uh, maple syrup that they sell. You can buy Ohio syrup. You can buy Pennsylvania syrup and New York syrup. It's sweet stuff. <clears throat> they also kept bees there on the Smith family farm, and they would harvest the honey every year. It made me wonder how they did that without beekeeper suits, you know, to protect themselves. Maybe they did it at nighttime or, uh, you know, maybe they used smoke to, to put the bees to sleep when they harvested the honey. But that was a, a, a chore, too. Um, Father Smith was a cooper, meaning a barrel maker. Uh, and they used cattails to form a really good seal in their barrels. I had no idea about that. Cattails. Who knew? Um, yeah, we thought they were this. worthless, huh, growing up? <laughs> <laughs> that's right man it's something to set on fire but uh cattails apparently was a really good uh seal kind of like a gasket um they built fences and they they rail fences zigzag back and forth so they didn't really need a lot of nails or they or rope to tie their fences together they they zigzagged their fences which kind of like building blocks they sort of stood themselves up you know they sort of held themselves up uh just by the weight of the rails uh, of course, then and they and in any rocks that they ran into in their fields, they stored, they put those underneath their fences. Very, very ingenious, folks. <laughs> uh, the log cabin where Joseph Smith grew up, uh, the the door frames on the log cabin were about five and a half feet tall. So I'm I'm five foot ten. Even I had to duck my head to enter or exit the cabin. Um, you know, each of the farmhouses out there had a covered well outside and a garden uh, next to the house that was fenced to dissuade rodents from eating the garden produce. So just, just a, a fun fun time there in New York and Pennsylvania and Ohio. Uh, let me rush on to Kirtland, Ohio, there where we visited the Newell K. Whitney store and his sawmill and his cashery. 
I didn't realize that he had a sawmill and an ashery there in Kirtland, but because my dad and my grandpa both worked in the timber industry, I was especially interested there in the lumber mill. It was powered by water in a sluice, Sam, their, their lumber mill, and it consisted of just a single carriage that moved the log back and forth uh, and one vertical saw blade that moved at two strokes per second. I mean, that's moving up and down you know, twice in a second. And that was all powered by just a, a, a big water wheel uh, in, 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 at the bottom of the sluice. Just very interesting. They also did this ashery. They bought ashes from all of the neighbors in Kirtland and brought the, it was like a, what did it cost? Maybe a buck for a, a, a bushel of ashes. <clears throat> and then they would do the manufacturing process there in the ashery. They would process the ashes. In, in through chemical changes and heat, they would produce potash. <clears throat> now, how many people know today know what potash is, <laughs> and and the many many uses of potash? But that is very very valuable back in those days, and it sold for hundreds of dollars a barrel of potash, maybe a thousands of dollars per barrel of potash. And so that the the uh, manufacture of potash you know, to the town of Kirtland helped immensely with the building of the temple there in Kirtland because the saints at that time in Kirtland were very, very poor. And yet by running these various mills and and uh, and this ashery and the sawmill, they were able to produce many, uh, a lot of potash and, and of course boost their income. <clears throat> so anyway, Sam, it was a truly, uh, uh, oh, one other fun thing. We stopped at the Ohio General Store there, this little tiny, uh, this huge tempest, you might have called it a baby hurricane, just blew through the town. We were inside the store when it when it came. It just and it came and disappeared in just minutes. But it dropped in several inches of rain in just the five minutes that it lasted. Sam, I've never seen so much water come down just in buckets. And I, you know, probably more rain in five minutes than we get in Utah in a whole year. I mean, it was it was it was phenomenal. Like the the floodgates of heaven just open and just dump buckets of rain, not not drops, but buckets of rain in just five minutes. <clears throat> Knock down trees and power lines and pretty amazing uh, trip out there, Sam. Just to uh, highlight, you're talking about all those historical realities, but this little microburst or whatever you want to call it was literally live and real right on the spot. It wasn't uh, studying history. It was like live action, right? <laughs> exactly right, Sam. Live action. In fact, it said knock down power lines on a, on a route. We were headed next to some other site to see, and we had to backtrack and turn that big bus around because there was a big power line down across the road. So, yeah, it affected us real time. You also got to go to Niagara Falls on your trip, one of my favorite places. It was fascinating. My wife and I took a trip and did a lot of what you did, I don't know, for our 20th or 25th year anniversary. Uh, I can't remember which one, but either way, it was it was one of the most incredible trips I've ever been on. Yeah, we bought tickets to uh, to a ride in Made in the Mist. They call the ferry service up there, Made in the Mist, on the U.S. side. I'm not sure what they call the Canadian side, but these two ferries uh, would just rotate, uh, you know, up and, and through the falls and basically interleave with the two ferries on the Canadian side. So, like, every every five minutes there is a ferry going up by the falls, uh, by Niagara Falls, and then coming back down and, you know, uh, letting the people off and getting a new boatload of people. Each ferry could contain, I don't know, 200 people, maybe 250, it's just huge ferries. 
they were powered by battery, and really a shout out to Nikola Tesla, who uh, produced the electric uh, current there from the the Niagara River. Uh, they had a mile of pipe uh, brought down this uh, this water, and it spun the turbines, which produced uh, alternating electricity, which in the early 1900s was 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 brand new. I mean, it's a brand new invention. And uh, anyway, our boat was named after Nikola Tesla. But the most exhilarating part of that, Sam, as you know, was riding the boat up and near the falls. These falls, you know, fall, you know, at 200 feet, 290 feet. If you're on the on the Canadian side, the Canadian falls are called Horseshoe Falls. The American falls on the on the U.S. side, and Bridalville falls the U.S. side. It only does 10% of the water, but the Horseshoe Falls delivers 90% of the water that goes over Niagara Falls. And boy, is it powerful. You just get in this boat, and the boat sort of wallows in the, you know, just uh, beyond the, where the falls uh, comes down. The water roars into the river, and the mist just blows over the boat, just engulfs the boat. And, of course, you get sopping wet. <laughs> they provide ponchos so you don't get all your clothes too wet. But, I mean, it was just one of the most exhilarating parts of the adventure was just seeing that beautiful uh, mist just roll over the boat and and get people so soaking wet. <laughs> so much fun, Sam. Yeah, and when you think of God's creations and you experience that, you are just in awe. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, because of the erosion, the falls has actually moved several feet per year upriver as the falls erodes the 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 you know the the, the, the rocks and stuff. And so, in about ten thousand years, Sam, the the Niagara Falls will be all the way up to the lake, and there won't be a falls anymore. <laughs> in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, is a must see, and I think of the majesty of God's creations and the blessings that we have to harness that for electricity and everything else that we have in our modern society. And comparing that with the farming in the yesteryear, uh, we realize the brilliance of generations of God-fearing American people who did the wonderful job. But now we must turn to Lou Rockwell. He gave an incredible talk about the road to nuclear Armageddon, ladies and gentlemen. He spoke. It was an incredible talk. Lowell has the notes. Yes, at the uh, Ron Paul Institute, uh, they have a conference every year, and he spoke last Thursday about the conflict between Russia and the U.S., uh, or I, I mean Ukraine. <laughs> so ostensibly, you know, the <laughs> public is, has made to believe that the war is being fought between Ukraine and Russia, but in reality, it's basically the U.S. funding NATO, which is funding Ukraine, um, to, uh, to, to, to wear down Russia. But, you know, Russia's uh, you know they're 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 not weak. They are not going to fall. And they're, they're actually, I I believe, and we'll see in the next few months. They will carve up uh, Ukraine. They'll probably take all of the eastern southeastern part. And um, you know, uh, but but that's uh, anyway the conflict between uh, Russia and Ukraine. Uh, uh, Lou Rockwell talks about the lessons we should have learned from previous world wars. And then he makes some observations in conclusion that I, I just want to highlight here briefly as we close the show out. He says, is there anything we can do to de-escalate the situation? Well, the greatest congressman in American history, he writes, Dr. Ron Paul, who we are all here today to honor, has the answer. America should end its encirclement of Russia 
and disband NATO. NATO is an organization whose purpose ended with the end of its Warsaw Pact adversary. This current round of NATO expansion is a political reward to governments in Georgia and Ukraine that came to power as a result of U.S.-supported revolutions, the so-called Orange Revolution and the Rose Revolution, Providing U.S. military guarantees to Ukraine and Georgia can only further strain our military. This NATO expansion may well involve the U.S. military in conflicts unrelated to our national interests. NATO should be disbanded, not expanded, is what he was saying essentially there, Sam. And just to quote um, another fellow, Canon Sidney Smith, who's, I've never heard of this fellow below before, uh, this fellow before, but he's a great classical liberal, apparently, in the early 19th century England. And he wrote this to the warmongering prime minister, uh, Churchill, I believe. <clears throat> he said, for God's sake, do not drag me into another war. I am worn down and worn out. With crusading and defending Europe and protecting mankind, I must think a little of myself. I am sorry for the Spaniards. I am sorry for the Greeks. I deplore the fate of the Jews. The people of the Sandwich Islands are groaning under the most detestable tyranny. Baghdad is oppressed. I do not like the present state of the Delta. Tibet is not comfortable. But am I to fight for all these people? The world is bursting with sin and sorrow. Am I to be champion of the Decalogue and to be eternally raising fleets and armies to make all men good and happy? We have just got done saving Europe, and I'm afraid the consequence will be that we shall cut each other's throats. No war, dear Lady Grey, no eloquence, but apathy, selfishness, common sense, arithmetic. End of quote. <clears throat> so anyways, a great column, Sam. I just had to uh, poke that in, uh, in into our show here today because it is the, one of the greatest stains on our world history is all the warfare that goes on. And you got the U.S. regime right now fully engaged in supporting more warfare around the globe, Sam. It's Ladies and gentlemen, the fundamental question is this, Lowell. Is there anything we can do to de-escalate the situation? Ron Paul, with his incredible leadership, says yes. We need to back out of this foreign conflicts. We need to get rid of uh, all of our fights. We need to basically back away from NATO. Disband NATO entirely. We can do this, folks. The same people that want to push COVID tyranny on us now want us to risk war with Russia. Don't fall for it. Let's stop them before it's too late. Lowell Nelson, thank you so much, sir. You're welcome, Sam. Good to be with you. Campaignforliberty.org. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, and happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for June the 20th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our 
two of two and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country. We use the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide, and we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth using the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers. Welcome to the broadcast. Dr. Scott Bradley back with me this hour. FreedomsRisingSun.com, his website, and I hope you had a delightful weekend, sir. Welcome back. Well, thank you, and the weekends are far too short, and although they do come fairly regularly, I mean, the way the time is accelerating, I think the Lord is doing it to kind of say, look, we got to get through this whole program before the whole, all the wheels fall off, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, no doubt about it. Speaking of the wheels falling off, welcome to Juneteenth, ladies and gentlemen. I know it's not the 10th at all, it's the 20th. But they say Juneteenth is now a federal holiday in the United States, supposedly commemorating the emancipation of enslaved African Americans, ladies and gentlemen. And they say that it um, marks the announcement of proclaiming freedom for uh, slaves uh, in Texas. They say Juneteenth is also known as Freedom Day. The problem is is ladies and gentlemen it, it is controversial as all get out let's dig in they say teen, juneteenth celebrations emphasize racial disparities they say ending them but i'm not so sure that's right ladies and gentlemen when you think about it dr bradley well we probably ought to look at a little bit of backstory on this to begin with i mean and uh i mean there's so many things that that are uh, that are part of this whole issue that uh, they're actually bringing about a greater divisiveness, in my opinion. We're balkanizing the United States. That's kind of a, a term from the old Yugoslavian situation where they, they had so many religious and ethnic uh, disparities and differences and arguments and everything that they ended up falling apart. The wheels fell off the whole thing. And again, all this effort to divide and ultimately conquer is, is Marxist in its um, origins and its methodology. And and so the way we're going about this is, is not bringing us together. It's not causing people to say, wow, yeah, look at my black neighbors. They're, they're cool. Uh, we're cool. Everybody's cool. We can get a hamburger together, whatever, you know. It just seems to divide and, and ultimately conquer. It's it's really interesting. Uh, some of these things are contrived and, and they're manipulated by the, the racists that are still doing race baiting. I mean, you look at Kwanzaa, for example. Uh, this is a celebration of African Christmas uh, commemorations, but it's not. It was created by a, uh, a Marxist, uh, radical leftist uh, that... Uh, based it upon Marxist principles. I mean, it's just so weird how things are foisted upon us today. And I'm not particularly opposed to commemorating, celebrating, and rejoicing in, you know, all sorts of uh, the things that have made people unique and interesting throughout history. I mean, there's there's a great cultural exchange that can happen on these kinds of things and everything like that. But the way we go about it, I think, really undermines the unity of the nation. You know, you think about how George Washington uh, talked in his farewell address about how we were united. We were 
with slight shades of difference. And you say shades, oh, that's color. No, there, there's shades of difference in so many ways. You know, their religious beliefs and their regional understanding of things and so on. And yet we were unified. And, uh, and what's going on nowadays is, is oftentimes contradictory to that. And, and you know, the, the kind of the backstory, if you will, and, and maybe you were going to get into this, but back in January 1st of 1863, uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, basically published the proclamation, the uh, Emancipation Proclamation. And people say, oh, yeah, the great emancipator. No, he wasn't. He really wasn't. Uh, Lincoln had made lots of statements. In fact, probably some of the most racist statements I've ever heard in my life were made by him. And he talked about how, oh, if I could free all the slaves and save the Union, I would. If I could free none of them, I would. If I freed part of them and, and part of them not, yeah, I would. And, and he, he absolutely, the, the basis of what he was doing, uh, in his mind at least it seemed, was not slave-based. But uh, the war was not going well for the uh, Union. Um, they, they couldn't seem to buy a, a victory, and uh, they needed another tactic in war, and that's exactly what was published on the 1st of January of 1863, an Emancipation Proclamation. And, and the, the wording and the uh, intent was so different than what people present today. It was a, it, basically, if the South truly had withdrawn from the Union, which they were absolutely confident they had, They'd written a new constitution. They were a new country. Uh, if, if Lincoln came out and said, okay, all you guys that are in that part that broke off from us, all the slaves in that part of the world are, are free. And it's kind of like somebody today saying, okay, all you guys in uh, the Middle East, uh, all the slaves in your country are free, and the United States proclaiming it. I mean, it was a different country, different president, different leadership, everything. But not one slave was uh, freed in what was continued to be what they called the Union States. And there are quite a number of states that, uh, <coughs> that slavery was still legal. And in fact, until basically December of 1865, which is the ratification of, of the 13th Amendment, uh, there were still a, a couple of slave states in the North, if you will. I think it was Kentucky and Delaware, if I remember correctly. But, but Lincoln's proclamation did not have, it didn't free one slave. It was a tactic that the intent was to create a fifth column, an, another uh, military force within the southern states that would distract away from the uh, effort to, you know, protect against the Union invasion, if you will. Because up to that point, it had been a Union invasion of the South. Uh, the, the people in the South felt they were pr protecting their you know, homeland, their states, and everything else like that. And um, what, what's interesting, though, is that the war really changed. And I, I, this is a dynamic we could talk about sometime, maybe, Sam. But I think the dynamic of the war changed when Lee took the war outside of that defensive position and invaded the North and, and uh, went into Pennsylvania in July of 1863. And I think that's what... Uh, changed the, the dynamic to the point that the South from there forth didn't really prevail. But but the, anyway, that's a, that's a side trip. But the fact of the matter is, Lincoln's proclamation was a tactic of war, and it didn't free any slaves. And, uh, and basically, as the war went on and the, the Union conquered different areas of the South, 
uh, that's when they said, okay, you guys that are in, you know, this rebellious area, all you slaves are free. And so when, um, uh, I believe his name was General Granger, Gordon Granger sticks in my mind, but at any rate, when he came into Galveston, Texas in December, oh, excuse me, it was June of 1863, or 65, after Appomattox and the April surrender of, of uh, uh, Lee to Grant, um, Anyway, uh, Granger came into Texas, which was kind of way down the the pike in terms of how much involved it was in the nation. Came into Texas I in uh, June of 1865. Uh, he, he basically said, okay, all you guys are free now. So that's the Juneteenth. It was June 19th. He put out a general order that says, okay, everybody's free here that was a slave. And so that was the, the origins, if you will, of the Juneteenth, June 19th, 1865. And it's been celebrated or commemorated, I don't know how you'd put it, in many occasions since in different uh, states and regions and areas. But in June of last year, I think it was, uh, 2021, um, Biden signed a proclamation that says, okay, this is a, now a federal holiday, and that's why today is a federal holiday. Some states have adopted that too, including our home state of Utah as being a, uh, a state holiday. Uh, but, it, but it's interesting to me that um, we have all of these kind of interesting cultural celebrations, if you will, and if that's the way it is, it's interesting. Cinco de Mayo, the 5th of uh, um, May, is celebrates a, a Mexican victory over French forces back in 1862 in Mexico. It's a bigger event in the United States. I mean, they sell more beer probably that for that than they do in the Super Bowl here. I don't know. But, uh, uh, or uh, St. Patrick's Day in March. Uh, I, I've got a really good friend that's, that's Irish, and um, he's now become an American citizen. But, but he always used to say to me, I don't know what's with you Americans. I mean... In Ireland, uh, St. Patrick's Day is not a big deal, but uh, but for some reason, people consider a lot of these things as, as being a very significant kind of thing, and 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 sometimes we build them into something more perhaps than they are, and uh, and I you know uh, we mentioned Kwanzaa a little while ago, and and it was a totally made up event holiday. Um, Commemoration. Every, I mean, like I say, it didn't even exist in, 19, in the 1950s. No, and, and it wasn't in Africa. So, hey Amen, anyway, ladies and gentlemen. When we get back, we'll talk more about this, though, because I want to highlight, you know, we used to have days that were for all Americans. But the supposition is we jettison all American holidays for literally ethnic-centric holidays. I'll explain in seconds. Liberty Roundtable, live. There has been no evidence of widespread voter fraud. The 2020 elections were one of the most corrupt in history. See the proof for yourself. We tracked 2,000 mules making multiple ballot drops. 2,000 mules, the shocking new movie from Dinesh D'Souza. One mule made 53 trips to 20 drop boxes. 2,000 mules. Join the special virtual premiere and Q&A on May 7th. Get your tickets now. Available only at 2000mules.com. 2000mules.com. Sponsored by Salem Media Group. 
Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Dr. Scott Bradley with us. FreedomsRisingSun.com to learn about his collegiate series to preserve the nation and to check out his weekly webinars and more. FreedomsRisingSun.com. All right, we're talking about Juneteenth. It's now a, quote, U.S. holiday, but I'm calling it a day of division marked by controversy. You say, Sam, why, why would you do that? Well, they... There's all kinds of problems. Everybody has a problem with the day. And the biggest problem I have with these days, um, you know what? I get it. I'm, I'm for rejecting slavery. I don't believe in slaves of any kind for any reason. But ladies and gentlemen, look, we obliterate Father's Day on Sunday and then Monday, Juneteenth, even though it was supposed to be yesterday's the celebration, but you get the federal holiday off. You don't for fathers, but you do for Juneteenth. And I believe if you want to restore America, one of the things that you need to do is bring fathers back. But I digress. We've taken now George Washington's birthday holiday or whatever else to celebrate his leadership. And his, we've mor- morphed that into President's Day. Now we have Kwanzaa. Now we have Juneteenth. Uh, we now have, you know, President's Day. We've got Martin Luther King Day. We're literally jettisoning every holiday that used to bring people together in humble gratitude and appreciation for those who have gone before. Uh, and we're making every now day a divisive holiday. The debates rage, not only amongst the whites, but the blacks as well. Okay, for example, what they say is, hey, this is a horrible day. You know why? Because the white people get the day off. The black people, the poorer class, they all still have to work. Some states recognize the day. Other states don't. The states that don't, they're racist and not willing to look at the past. How? What a hypocrisy it is to celebrate or honoring Juneteenth, while at the same time condemning critical race theory. Uh, All I'm telling you is that we have replaced all the days that brought everybody together in America with these controversial issues that will never go away with the trajectory we're on, Dr. Bradley. Well, it it is absolutely divisive, I believe, and and it is meant to separate. And 
Uh, it's like we talk so often on your show. It's a Marxist approach to cause conflict that that disrupts society and ultimately in the turmoil that ensues. The hope is, and it's been proven effective throughout the years, that uh, Marxism ultimately throws its cast of of tyranny upon the whole world. It's it's so interesting that that the race baiters use this thing. In fact, there's a a movement among some, and I I don't know as I can say oh attribute this to us any percentage or anything, but some would like to to uh, basically replace July Fourth, you know, Independence Day, with Juneteenth as as the the new Independence Day. Now if you even will. even uh, Joe Biden called it Independence Day. Yeah. To make your point. There, there's a there's a, a movement doing that and, and to your point about how this is is destroying the foundation of everything again it's marxist in its origins and those that are playing this out and and what's really fascinating to me is that that uh, you remember they all have a dream speech that martin luther king gave and uh, there's kind of an interesting backstory to that someday we'll have to talk about too but the the fact of the matter is he talked about, you know, he's dreaming about this time when his kids are not going to be judged by the color of their skin, but by their quality of their character. And uh, the, all of these things we do that divide, I mean, we, here we're in the middle of June. I mean, it's Pride Month, you know, for, for uh, those that are kind of uh, confused about sexual orientation and stuff like that. Um, it's it's uh, always and constantly, it's in your face, and, and uh, we're going to, you know, conquer and divide and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I I know of a young man, for example, uh, well, uh, he's he was, at the time I knew him, uh, a young captain in the Air Force, uh, a bright, intelligent, articulate young man that, uh, that loved this country and everything like that. And when they were doing the Black Pride Month on his Air Force base, he went to the AAEO, you know, Affirmative Action uh, Equal Opportunity uh, group on on the base and said you know and they were all it was entirely staffed by people of different color than him okay uh, the, I don't think there was a uh, somebody with a white skin in the entire office and uh, he he went and he says you know what if we're gonna if we're gonna do a, a pride uh, month for for black let, why don't we do one for white and what he got was a big horse laugh I mean it was like are you kidding first thing you gotta find is something that you could be proud of that white people have done. I mean, he was just laughed out of the office. And he said, no, really, you know, if, if we're going to do this, we ought to start recognizing some of the accomplishments of other people. And if you want to do it by race, let's do a white one. No, no, couldn't do that. There was nothing, nothing, absolutely zero that the office was willing to recognize as some kind of contribution that people of the white race, you know, uh, Anglo-Saxon, uh, you know, male, Protestant religion, whatever, I don't know what you want to call, but um, but but they laughed him out of the office, and he kind of kept pressing it. His 06, his colonel, this bird colonel that he worked for, actually court-martialed him and pressed forward with a dishonorable discharge, ultimately, and there's a process you have to go through according to the Uniform Code of Military Justice, which is kind of uniform, but not quite, and there's certainly no justice in it normally, but at any rate, the UCMJ says you do this in order to get somebody out with a dishonorable discharge. But what his colonel did was gave him a direct order not to pr pursue it, and he continued, and so that he uh, violated a direct order. At any rate, 
uh, that was the kind of divisiveness that it brought to a, a military base. And and it's like I, I absolutely astounding to me that we have spun this in such a manner that all of these white Anglo-Saxon uh, guys that gave us the Declaration and the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and uh, fought in the Revolutionary War and, and fought in the uh, Civil War, if you will, uh, to ultimately and finally, and this wasn't the only cause, purpose, and reason for the Civil War, the slavery thing, ultimately, though, was, was uh, stopped. The intention of the founders had really been, and you can read the 42nd Federalist Paper, for example. You can read the words of guys like George Mason and, and uh, some of the other founders that were at the Constitution Convention, like James Madison. Their absolute intent was to get rid of slavery. And we've talked about how that had there had to be a step process to allow that to happen. But no, none of this stuff, none of this stuff has any recognition. And, and if you can continue to divide and make fragments and you bring in, you know, illegals that are well-schooled in socialism and, and a welfare state in their home countries, it's going to more center that and strengthen it here in this country. And, and there's divide and conquer. And like I mentioned earlier, back in the old Yugoslavian situation where the, the balkanization occurred, ultimately and finally the wheels fell off. And they hated each other's guts to the point that uh, that there was constant warfare. It was eternal war. Uh, horrible depredations occurred. And I really think that that's what a lot would like to see happen in this country. And, and we see a lot of people facilitating this. Well, there's no question. I don't know if you know, but there's Black History Month, which you've heard about for a long time. But did sure. you know there's Black Music Month as well? And there's also black uh, financial investment stuff. I mean... I see these stupid yeah, Do you realize that June is Black Music Month? I, I didn't know that. I mean, you well, know what? No, sir. Black music, I'll tell you what. One time my wife and I were at a bed and breakfast. There's not a whole lot to talk, talk about this. But, you know, a bed and breakfast, you had a, you know, you sit down at tables with people you never met before and have an interesting conversation. There was a black couple about our age that were sitting there. We sat down at the table to have breakfast with them at a, this bed and breakfast and found out they were gospel singers. And, uh, I mean, holy cow. I mean, and, and I have to take my hat off. I mean, there's such a passion and enthusiasm. and a, I mean, it's just such a kind of a Yeah, just wish experience. we had some of that, huh? Oh, man, it's some of this <laughs> enthusiasm in our religious worship. But anyway, we talked to them. We had a grand discussion. And, and you know, I the only musical instrument I can play is a stereo, and, and I'm just so untalented in that way. And this woman's, I could teach you. I could teach you how to do this. And it was kind of like, whoa, I never saw myself in that realm. But but wonderful exchange of things and feelings. And, yeah, the music of different cultures is is so interesting to engage in, you know, and, and participate with. But I just... I just don't know what's going on when these race baiters are out there playing everything up to the point that the Marxist division occurs more and more in the United States. And I, I think. Well, and ladies are, and gentlemen, you know what? Their music stands on its own. I agree. They're singing. A lot of it is incredible. Their uh, involvement in athletics stands on its own. Okay. We don't need just to take away from everybody and so pretty soon, you know, it, when you think about all the different divisions. Every single month we'll have a division month. Blacks and whites, gays and straights, 
Whatever the issue is, they'll divide over it. In America, though, we don't have these divisions. As you just heard, Dr. Bradley and his wife and a black couple sat down together and had lunch, breakfast or whatever. It was great. But the folks who want to destroy America want to just divide for two months, Black History Month and Black Music Month, right? Where do we go from here? Hang tight. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pry. Economists surveyed by the Wall Street Journal have dramatically raised their probability of a recession, now putting it at 44% in the next year. It should be noted this level is only seen on the edge of an actual recession. French President Emmanuel Macron's centrist coalition could lose its majority in the country's lower parliament. Projections on Sunday showed that Macron's coalition was likely to win roughly 240 seats. That's almost 50 shy of a majority in the 577-seat National Assembly. Today is a national holiday. Juneteenth is the day when slaves learned of their Emancipation Declaration by President Lincoln three years earlier. On this day in 1983, Sally Ride becomes the first American woman in space. She passed away in La Jolla, California in 2012. USA Radio News. Attention weekend gardeners, don't let insect pests destroy your hard work. Fight back with Maggie's Farm, created by pest control professionals. Maggie's Farm plant and mineral-based products provide amazingly effective insect control, like our 3-in-1 garden spray for organic gardening. Deadly on insects, but safe to use around children and pets. Or for really hard-to-kill bugs, try our new beetle and box elder bug killer. Maggie's Farm, lethal to bugs, easy on the planet. Look for Maggie's Farm at Walmart, Menards, or at maggiesfarmproducts.com. Do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Are you being audited or investigated? Has the IRS sent you a letter demanding payment? You may not owe what they claim. Make this free call to the tax doctor now. Let them negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. Call 800-631-9123. 800-631-9123. That's 800-631-9123. An Apple store may unionize. Apple employees in a Maryland store are voting to unionize. This would be a first for the company in the United States. The final vote was 65 to 33 in favor of joining the International Association of Machinists. The union president applauding the courage of the Apple employees for their historic victory. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. Austin police are reporting a Texas gun owner defended himself and another woman from a teenager who allegedly tried to rob them at gunpoint in Austin, Texas last week. 17-year-old Jalen Reed is charged with aggravated robbery with a deadly weapon. Reed was already convicted of a series of robberies in 2021. Police say he was released from juvenile detention on May 27th. He cut off an ankle monitor two days later, then committed nine robberies in five days. NASCAR racing was off this weekend. It will resume in Nashville, Tennessee next weekend. USA Radio News. All right, back with you live. Dr. Scott Bradley with me. FreedomsRisingSun.com is website. Uh, let me make this very clear. You know what? This um, Juneteenth divisionary holiday is full of controversy and trouble. 
And the problem with it, ladies and gentlemen, is they're using the Hegelian dialectic against us all. It isn't about bringing people together. It isn't about not repeating slavery. It isn't about celebrating the freedom that people have everywhere. It's about jettisoning the history of America, the rich, sacred history, with a unique, narrow view of history from a divisionary point of view. Okay, there's no way as a white person I can celebrate Juneteenth properly. If I don't celebrate it, then I'm evil. I'm a white supremacist, whatever. If I celebrate it, then it's hypocrisy because I don't believe in their critical race theory lies. And the bottom line is there's no way that I can celebrate it or there's no way that I can. It could be a wonderful thing for us all to celebrate freedom together. But see, they're not trying to do that. That's why you got to jettison July the 4th, which is liberty for all, including the blacks eventually got liberty as a result of the founding fathers' heroic efforts. But see, we're not doing that. What we're doing is dividing. There's no way that I can possibly uh, do anything to redeem myself on the altar of black history month on the altar of black music month on the altar of Martin Luther King day of Juneteenth of all there's no way for me to ever, ever, ever get clear of the uh, abuse heaped on me as a white person. As a result, it doesn't matter what my thoughts are. My beliefs are, you know what? I'm at the core of racist and there's no way to solve it. And, And that's really the bottom line here. Dr. Bradley. Well, I I really think we need to recenter ourselves on the founding principles, and, and you know, this uh, all men are created equal. They're div- uh, by their creator. They're got uh, these inalienable rights, and this was the intent from the beginning. And and we can I can document that clearly through the American founding era. But let me just bring to your attention uh, just a few lines out of George Washington's farewell address. I mean. The, this the the unity the the uh, the feeling of well I t- it just brings kind of peace to your heart and soul. Uh, this is what he he wrote. He said, "Citizens by birth or choice of a common country. That country has a right to concentrate your affections. The name of American, which belongs to you in your national capacity, must always exalt the just pride of patriotism more than any appellation." derived from local discriminations. With slight shades of difference, you have the same religion, manners, habits, and political principles. You have in common cause fought and triumphed together. The independence and liberty you possess are the work of joint councils and joint efforts of common dangers, suffering, and successes. I mean, he was saying, look, look, look at what we have in common. Look at what we are as a people. And and I, what was going on oftentimes in his era still, you know, when he wrote this, there there were some regional jealousies that were going on. And he, he takes time in his farewell address to point out that, yeah, we've got each other's backs. He talks about that. And and this idea, this, this appellation, this, uh, you know, that's a name, that's a name title. Americans, you're Americans. This hyphenated American nonsense is... Balkanization of America. I mean, uh, it's absurd to me how we have done our darndest as a people since this became such a centralized thing. And I, I, I I just am in shock. And I've talked before on your show about when I was young, we used to have uh, prayer in school every day, and we did the Pledge of Allegiance, and 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 people say, oh, that's divisive. You you. 
you know, a Jewish boy or a girl could give a different prayer than a Catholic boy or a girl or a Mormon kid or whatever, you know. And to me, it was a cultural experience of, wow, so that's that's how Jews pray or that's how Catholics pray or whatever, you know. There was none of this, boy, you guys are stupid. We got a better pray, way to pray than you. But but we've gotten rid of the things that we shared together um, that that made us kind of feel like, hey, we're... We're all together in this thing. You know, the boat may be leaky sometimes, but we're all bailing together, you know. And I just am shocked that we're falling for this. And, and as you point out, if you're a white guy, forget it. You can't say anything right. I mean, but but it's just not race. It's gender. It's sexual orientation. I mean, there's there's uh, the bourgeois versus the proletariat, the Everything that they can fracture a line on, there's a work to do that. I remember when I was a, a department head and director at a major university. Um, I, I, you know, I didn't go about this consciously to do it. I, I, I just, I, I like people. I, and it's just the way I am. And I, I bring good people in, and we try to grow together, and and we have a successful operation because of that. But. I was looking, I, I probably had the most diverse organization in terms of, you know, uh, men and women and color and all those kinds of things, religious beliefs, whatever. However, they're trying to fracture us now. My organization, we were cohesive. And I was looking for a, uh, an assignment to be filled, and I wanted the best person I could get. And so I was doing a national search. And, uh, you know, so you advertise nationally and all that kind of stuff. This is more story than you probably need. But the fact of the matter is our AAEO organization, Affirmative Action Equal Opportunity Organization, was led by a, a female that uh, was extremely radicalized in her beliefs about a lot of these things we're talking about. Anyway, she came to me and said, you know, I'm saying, hey, I just, I just want the best person I get. I don't care if they're black, brown, green, purple, orange, or what. I don't care. I don't care if it's a male or female. I just want somebody that we can work with and make this successful. Well, she came to me and she says, you know what? You're going to have to do a different ranking system. Your qualifications that, that you put out as qualifications, you'll never find a woman that will qualify as highly as a man will. I'm going, what? What are you talking about? I, there's qualified women out there. I mean, you know, we, we had this conversation. And she says, no, what you've got to do is you've got to draw the line far enough down on your ranked selections that incorporates women, and then you've got to, you've got to hire from that group. And I'm saying, do you, do you realize what you've done is you've said a woman cannot compete in this world? You've said, and you know, by an inference, race can't or whatever. Her belief was that you have to draw the line far enough down that you hire from a lesser qualified group. I'm saying, oh. No, I don't. I don't care what I get as long as as we get good people, you know. And and so it's it's really a disabling kind of thing. This attitude, you know. Oh no, blacks can't uh, qualify. So you've got to hire a lesser qualified individual. You're by inference and by actual example, you're saying we're we're hiring from from the lower level of qualifications, and, and that's racist in its or, or origin. And it's sexist. It's just astonishing. But, but, but we're getting a, a nation of lessers because of the attitudes we have about these things. And um, you know, 
it's kind of like what you say to your kids, Sam. Maybe maybe your kids are old enough now you don't have to, but it's why can't you kids get along? You know, when they're bickering over some stupid little thing that in the other room, you know, and you, hey, you kids, why, why can't you guys get along? And But but we continue to foster this, and and the nation is not getting any better because of it. We're, you, you look at on a kind of a broad brush kind of thing, half the nation hates the other half. And it's all the propaganda, though, that's fueling this, because as you wisely mentioned earlier, you know what? You sat down with a black couple. You learned about their musical capabilities. You were impressed by them. They were impressed by you guys. You came not knowing one another. You left as as acquaintances slash friends a little bit. That's how America really is. They are trying their level best to jettison that narrative. They don't want you two to sit down at that table. They don't want you to associate with one another. What they want to do is grind the face of the poor divide everyone on any fault line they can find. That's the real goal of this agenda, and that's why we take it on. Look, I don't want slavery any more than anybody else ever does or ever would. Anybody in their right mind is against slavery of anybody. Okay, we're all God's children, right? We are, but they're still practicing it in the world. I mean, Yes, they are, and we're not talking about that at all. We're just talking about how Sam's a bad guy. Yeah. He's a white supremacist. He Okay, this is the problem. And, and, and so I, I, I spend so much time on this because we've really got to understand I'm for independence. I'm for celebrating independence. <laughs> but do I do the July 4th thing or the, you know, Juneteenth thing? See, well, the you, Ju- July you... 4th one is a white man's holiday. See, the Juneteenth one is a black man's holiday. You see. And now we're going to have this contest showdown. Which one's going to be the fair one, the good one, the right one in America? And I'm saying, can't we just celebrate independence for all of us? Yeah. Well, that, that's the problem we're in the middle of right now. And, and we're falling in a trap that had been used by the Marxists. I mean, clear back, I mean, you know, in modern history, you can go back to the French Revolution and look at the divide and conquer kind of mentality. And, uh, and w- while they changed the, you know, it's monarchy that we're trying to overthrow. Now it's society in general. You know, we put everybody against everybody. It's horrible. We got to All right, ladies and gentlemen, hang tight. Liberty Roundtable Live in seconds. I'm Sam Bushman with Dr. Scott Bradley, freedomsrisingsun.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast. And that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. The CDC just reported that 7,218 people died after receiving a COVID-19 shot. 
Granted, vaccines are a complicated concoction of chemicals, and as with any medical experiment, it can take a long time to get it right. This is not the first time people have been hurt when vaccinated. What is different this time, and so concerning, is the reaction to these death numbers. Let me explain. In 1976, the government vaccinated 45 million people for swine flu. A total of 53 people died after getting that shot, and the U.S. government immediately halted the vaccination program. Why? Because authorities decided it was too much of a risk. Why would they halt the program back then for 53 deaths, but now, with over 7,000 deaths, they are using every method possible to force it on you? In fact, now the health authorities are using their power to silence anyone who dares to question the COVID vaccination. Why? Why? Why is anyone that questions COVID silenced? Even doctors are being censored. What's up with that? Paid for by Emin Bundy for governor. VoteBundy.com. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman, Dr. Scott Bradley. I don't want to just keep talking about this forever, but we made our points, I think, very, very, very clear. Look, we all want to work together as God's children. We all want liberty. We all want freedom. I believe that people at their core want the same things. They want to love. They want to be loved. They want respect. They want to be respected. They want to be left alone and be free. I think everyone shares that, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm convinced they're using these um, agendas, celebrating everything under the sun is really a wedge to divide. And that we've got to jettison, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to be wise enough to back away from their tyrannical, designs and stand for god family and country as the children of god almighty and the sons and daughters of liberty if you will all right the food and drug administration authorizes covid shots for kids under five they say the final step will be the cdc approval but cdc recommends covid19 shots for children as young as six months clearing the way for vaccinations to begin soon, Dr. Bradley. So what I find interesting about this is the FDA and the CDC both double down and say yes. So the shots are going to start right away. But Senator and Dr. Rand Paul highlighted this reality with Dr. Fauci. No studies, no data, no evidence. But they're still recommending injecting our children with a booster shot. All right. Dr. Fauci literally admits no study back COVID boosters or COVID shots for kids at all. Pressed on the safety and the efficacy of the vaccines, Dr. Anthony Fauci admitted there were no studies to support the claim that it would reduce death or hospitalization for children at all. Paul asked Fauci if he could cite any studies. That showed COVID shots, reduced hospitalizations, or death for children? Fauci could not. He said, right now there's not enough data. So there's no studies, and Americans should all know this, says Rand Paul. (laughs) Dr. Bradley, I don't even know how to respond to this. We're literally going headlong into a mass child vaccination programs with no study, no evidence, no... I don't even understand it. We have gone insane, doctor. You know, the uh, the battle cry, follow the science, follow the science. Well, I'm putting the scientific science by. You know what? Anybody that's willing to do that, 
is is silenced. There is no science. I mean, that is that's a blanket statement that can be made unequivocally. There are no studies, as as Dr. Paul points out. But there were no studies when they put these things out for adults and whomever they started to hit on. There was no studies for efficacy. There was no study for safety. I mean, the most they studied them, if you will, was days. Most of you observe, you give the shot, you watch them for 15 minutes. If they don't keel over dead, it must be safe. This this program has been put out as a by guess and by golly thing from the very beginning of it. It's a new, unproven technology. And there has never been one of these uh, programs that has been brought to fruit that's been proven successful. Fauci tried for decades, literally, to foist the AIDS, uh, HIV kind of thing. They came up with rendezvous uh, under that old program for a, a, a response to some of this. It's it's a extremely expensive response. It's uh, thousands of dollars for a treatment versus less than ten dollars for a treatment with ivermectin or or hydroxychloroquine, and and then they've got these new uh, ivermectin kind of wannabes that are out there. Every single thing has been done with the idea of well, you know, we can patent this. We can make more money on that. Stuff that's beyond patent that you can't, you can buy, you know, over the counter basically around the world. Most of the stuff that has a better effective rate than anything they've proven with any of this new stuff. But the FDA, the CDC, the, the pharma industry, it's a revolving door, incestuous relationship. And, you know, you can read in, what is it, the 18th chapter of Leviticus about how the Lord feels about incest. Uh, you know, that's maybe a little bit of a stretch for talking about the medical practices. But yeah, it is a revolving door. You go from industry into the FDA. You go from the FDA into the CDC. You go from the CDC back to the FDA or any one of those networking kinds of things. And this stuff that's going on, it's driven by dollars. There is not a shred of evidence that you could say, yes, indeed, it is truly safe and effective because they just don't have any studies that indicate that. And they're they're rushing into this thing for little tiny children. Uh, these are complicated concoctions of chemicals. And and the babies that are their pure little bodies uh, that, that are designed by God as a as a magnificent system of uh, to, to bring about so many wonderful, magnificent things. We don't know what it's going to do to them or to, you know, teenagers or to middle-aged people. We just don't know. But they know. say the risks outweigh. What risks? I'm sorry. They, they say that the rewards out, right, outweigh the risks. Outweigh the risks. What, and and how do you know that risks? if you don't have any studies, though? How do you know that? I don't understand you that don't. at all. You don't. You can't. And, uh, the, and you say risk. I mean, you know, uh, I had a conversation the other day with a physician, and we don't need to go into the depth and breadth. Sometimes... There's just so many cool things we could talk about. But this physician was talking about some medical procedures that are relatively low risk, and I admit they are. But the risk that faces children, statistically what we've had right now, statistically virtually zero children have died from COVID, unless they had these other comorbidities that were killing them anyway, things that were they probably would have died anyway, and that sounds like a, a kind of a crass and cold thing to say. 
but but if you take a normal healthy child the chances of them dying of a covid thing virtually zero i mean it is so close to zero i mean there's probably more probability of the moon crashing into the earth this year than there is for probability of these other things i mean sure if there's a problem or a possibility everybody's going well yeah it's possible it's possible the moon could crash into the earth it's probably not going to happen though but they make all of these uh, when i first started my graduate work in in college i i was compelled uh, against my better judgment and will and interest to take a statistics class and uh, I had a very irreverent young professor at the time, and he, 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 his required reading was How to Lie with Statistics. Well, that was one of his required books. It's not in print anymore. Maybe you can get it on Amazon as an old book or something now. But at any rate, um, his intention was not to teach us how to lie with statistics, but to prove that you can lie using a statistical analysis if you choose to spin it the way you want. And another professor I had for a couple of classes was a uh, basically, yeah, he was an absolute Marxist. There's no getting around it. And, and we used to have extended discussions out in the parking lot after class. Uh, he took the one position and I took an opposite one. I could guarantee we were on opposite universes. But I asked him one day, I said, uh, so if you're doing a, 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 a some kind of uh, scientific review and you find evidence that contradicts the theorem that you're trying to prove what do you do with it he says i throw it out what said, what you throw it out what what do you mean i mean you 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 have a preconceived notion of how this is going to come out and you're going to prove it by guess or by golly or by hook or by crook because you discard data that contradicts your theory and that i believe is happening constantly in this continuum that we're on with the vaccines. And and we have these people that developed them that want to hide for decades, no, 75 years. It'll be two generations away before you got the information out that they they discovered. And, and they were compelled to begin to release it, and I don't think they're releasing it nearly fastly enough, fast enough. But the fact of the matter is the stuff that's coming out demonstrates it is not safe or effective and all they've been is a marketing ploy on us. But uh, and, and these studies they did with this mRNA stuff with with uh, animals previously, where all of the creatures that were injected with this stuff ultimately died when they were they were exposed to the uh, uh, virus that they were supposedly trying to eradicate. It, it just caused a it blew them up. Well, it didn't literally blow them up, but 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 literally it caused their deaths because of it. That's been the experience of mRNA. Let's just go back to racism thing for just a second. I, I got to tell you about a physician conversation I had back when they were experimenting on these things. You know what he told me? He told me that he was anxiously awaiting the experimentation that was being done in Africa and Asia on the people there before he could get the injection for the COVID. And I'm saying, you, I, I, I can't really express on the radio <laughs> in the fullness of my disdain for that attitude. They are using human guinea pigs that are a different color than this guy was to prove that he could take it without any uh, real threat of danger to him. They're sacrificing p 
people of a different color skin, brown babies and black babies and, and young people, wherever around the world, so that he could have his little concoction that he felt had been adequately tested on the appropriate guinea pigs. You know, I, I, and I've been one of those guinea pigs, by the way, back on March 6th, 1970, when I was in processing to a base. Uh, we had to get an ejection. We were the first human beings that had been tried on. That's what they told us. They wouldn't tell us what it was for or what it was supposed to do or anything like that, but we were the first human beings that had been tried on. I tell people we were the closest thing to human flesh they could find without actually using real humans. But I, I had... I had an adverse reaction to that, uh, months, that, that it affected me. And I still believe to this day I, I have residual challenges. But the fact of the matter is, what are we thinking? What are we doing? And, and we, do you say science is involved? No, it's more like Mengels and his Well, and Ron DeSantis the is the only governor in the, in the State of the Union. In other words, out of 50 states, Ron DeSantis is the only one that says, look, we're not going along with this. We're not ordering any of these vaccines. We're against it. We're not doing it. There's no studies. There's no evidence. Uh, Ron DeSantis agrees with Rand Paul, uh, and he says we're not stopping people from having the vaccines if they want to. We're just not endorsing it and or funding it or promoting it at all in our state. The only state to do so, Dr. Bradley. Well, I, you know, I take my hat off to that kind of, uh, you know, verbalization of this. But I do know for a fact that Ron DeSantis signed a bill that uh, that that the written document now that this was already in the law okay so it wasn't a new part of the bill but Ron DeSantis signed it saying uh, it, it already said it in there the state can, can by compulsion vaccinate people and if I'd been governor I would have said you know give me a clean bill take that out and we'll sign this but he didn't but I think his position on this is fairly clear right now I hope it doesn't change we just need more that will stand up to this Amen to that. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. Let's celebrate that we're God's children, and let's work together. You know what? We can start with civility. And over time, maybe with education and humility and turning to God, we can have unity. Our prayer is for liberty, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we advocate for and do our best to promote God, family, and country. Dr. Bradley's website, freedomsrisingsun.com, libertyroundtable.com. God save the republic of the United States of America.